I'd encourage you, if you would, stop by our, our table back there and uh, uh, grab a prayer card. I didn't mention, uh, Sandy, would you stand up so they know who they're going back to? Sandy, my wife Sandy, our son Isaiah, if you'll stand, and our daughter Pearl. Uh, we'll be back in the back. If you have any questions, we would love uh, to be able to talk with you more about Italy. Um, you know, one of the most difficult things in learning a foreign language is the figures of speech uh, because the actual meaning is not a literal interpretation. For example, uh, if I said to you in Italian, uh, conosco i miei poli, uh, what I said literally is I know my chickens. But <laughs> what it means is to know something, we would say in English, to know something like the back of our hand. Or if I said, uh, say, come al prezzemolo, uh, literally, that says you're like parsley. But what that means is when you see somebody uh, around town, you keep seeing them at the grocery store, you see them, you know, uh, at a cafe, you see them, you know, at the hardware store, or whatever, all within 24 hours, you might say something like, say, come you're, you're like parsley, I see you everywhere. Another expression is in boca lupo, in boca lupo, and literally, that says, in the mouth of the wolf. But what it means is, in English, we would say, good luck or break a leg. Now, the response to that, when someone says, good luck to you, or in boca lupo, the response is, crepi, which means, let the wolf die or kill the wolf. In boca lupo, in the mouth of the wolf, crepi, kill the wolf. Now, I'd like us to look at Romans chapter 7 this evening with that expression in our minds, not, not what it actually means of good luck, but the literal, the literal words of that expression I think of when I read Romans 7 now. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. The, there's a wolf inside each one of us tonight. Now, as a predator, the wolf is strongly associated with danger and destruction and fables and literature. Uh, wolves have been portrayed as dangerous and deceitful. So let's read in Romans chapter 7 about the wolf within, in the mouth of the wolf. This dangerous, destructive, deceitful force that's within each one of us born of Adam. Romans chapter 7, verse 14, Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it. Here's the wolf. But sin that dwelleth in me. You're in the mouth of the wolf. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there's the wolf, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, here we go, but sin that dwelleth in me, in the mouth of the wolf. 
I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. There's the wolf. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so that with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you would sanctify this place, Lord, that you would saturate it with your presence, that you'd fill me with your spirit and enable me to preach tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In the mouth of the wolf. Now we we all wear masks. And, and I'm not talking about this mask. I'm talking about this mask. We all wear masks that hide the darker part of our nature. That tries to hide the wolf. That tries to hide the sin nature That's inside each one of us. The sin that dwelleth in me, Paul said. The prophet Jeremiah wrote, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We all all do battle, right? We all do battle with this wolf within us. the, The mouth of the wolf. Every one of us has a sin nature that we do battle with. And and I want us to look tonight about how we get victory over that. I've already told you, uh, gave you a preview of what the victory is in the mouth of the wolf. Kill the wolf. How do we kill the wolf? We'll find out here in a little bit. But just talk a little bit about being in the mouth of this wolf, this wolf, this sin nature that's within us. We know from the Bible that man is a a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when the first man, Adam, sinned against God, his spirit died. He no longer could commune with God. And if you will, um, his soul, for, for lack of a better expression, was welded to a body of death. All right? That's the old man. That's the sin nature that's been inherited to every son of Adam, right? That sin nature, the wolf. Now, we get a picture of it in Galatians. If you'll look at Galatians with me tonight, uh, Galatians chapter 5, this natural man, this sin nature, nobody has to teach you to sin. Where does that come from? It comes from the sin nature, right? That sin nature. Hey, we don't have to teach our kids to lie, right? They they say whatever comes to their mind, and, and sometimes it's the truth, sometimes it's not the truth. We don't have to teach them to lie. Where does that come from? I had a lady tell me one time in Italy, she said, my kids, it seems like the first words out of their mouth whenever I ask them something is no. And she said this to me. She said, it's like they were born little rebels. Hey, we are all 
We all fall short of the glory of God. We are all born rebels to an almighty God because we have a sin nature that has separated us from His holy presence. And we see Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 how this sin nature manifests itself, beginning in verse 19. Uh, now the works of the flesh are manifest. This is how this wolf shows itself. And then he gets in, and you can really kind of classify this list of sins, and there's others that we could talk about, and I'm not going to go into great depth on these, but you see uh, here sexual sins, you see spiritual sins, you see social sins, uh, beginning in verse 19 with adultery, and that can include uh, sexual thoughts, not just the acts. Right? The Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 about a man, if he thinks in his heart, it's as if he has actually been guilty of the act. God sees your heart. What makes anything, anything in this list, sin? What makes anything sin? Right? If, if somebody, if you was talking to somebody and they, they asked you to define sin, how would you define sin? We say all of sin and come short of the glory of God. What is sin? Sin is that which departs from the absolute standard of God Himself. Why is a lie sin? Why is a white lie a sin? Because Almighty God is absolute truth, and any departure from that is sin. God is absolutely pure and holy and any departure from purity and how he has defined it is a sin. And so you find a list of sexual sins, adultery, fornication, which is sexual acts before marriage, uncleanness, which can include evil or impure thoughts, dirty jokes, pornography, lasciviousness, stirring up lustful desires, which can't be satisfied within the bounds that God has established. Um, this could be a modest dress and modest conversation and modest physical uh, gestures. Uh, then he gets into spiritual sins of idolatry, which is putting anything before God, thinking wrongly about God, witchcraft, which can which include things like Ouija boards and tarot cards and seances and astrology and drug use, things that put a person in a passive state. Then he gets into social sins here uh, in verse 20 with uh, hatred, which can include bitterness, contempt, racism, uh, variance or quarreling, always trying to prove we're right, emulations or jealousy, wrath, violent anger, strife, which is a self-seeking rivalry, sedition, seeking to defy. This can be a problem in churches. Um, heresy is also a problem found in churches. Um, biblical teaching, envying, uh, inner discontent, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and on and on. We find Mark, there's a, a similar list that the Lord describes in Mark chapter 7 uh, about all these things come from within and defile the man. And, and he repeats a lot of these sins and he includes evil thoughts thefts, covetousness, wickedness, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Paul writes in Romans another list and includes things like backbiters or slanderers, haters of God, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. All these things show how this wolf manifests itself. You're in the mouth of the wolf. You're in the mouth of of something dangerous, hello, dangerous, 
something that just wants to gratify itself regardless of the consequences to you and to your life and to your family and to this church and to the nation, this sin nature that only seeks its self-satisfaction in rebellion to a holy God and mankind is in the mouth of the wolf without any thought of the danger he finds himself in. What's the solution? Before we get to the positive action of the solution to being in the mouth of the wolf, let's, let's talk about the negative aspect of it, the victory over this from a negative slant. Number one, you're in the mouth of the wolf. Don't ignore the wolf. Don't ignore the wolf. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity some thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Is that what it says? Bringing into captivity every, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because it's our tendency to get comfortable with this. To ignore it. To ignore the wolf and forget that every single day there's something within inside each one of us that wants to rebel against God. We cannot ignore the wolf. Uh, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Because Satan knows his greatest ally lies within each one of us. Right here. This isn't just me going this direction. Every single one of us has a sin nature that we cannot ignore. The Bible warns about being ignorant of sin. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 23, about a simple or an ignorant young man who listens to a prostitute and ends up destroying his life. We can live, ignorance is not bliss. We can. We can live in ignorance to sin and end up destroying our testimony, end up destroying our marriages, end up destroying our lives. We can't ignore the wolf. Don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't feed the wolf. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Don't ignore the wolf. You're in the mouth of the wolf in Boca Lupo. Don't ignore the wolf. And then we see in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, don't feed the wolf. Notice Paul writes, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. When you make provision for something, you're making a place for it to happen. You're providing means for it to happen. 
We have a sin that so easily besets us. Don't put yourself in a compromising situation. Don't put yourself in a situation where it's easy. It, 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 look, don't put, don't put dessert in front of me, right? Because I'll eat it, <laughs> right? Don't put yourself, don't ignore the wolf, and don't put yourself in a situation where it's easy to feed it. Pornography is a temptation. Hey, it's never more easier than it is when you carry something around with you every day where you can access it like that. Do not feed the wolf. Make not provision for the flesh, Paul writes. Don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt the wolf. Don't tempt it. John Owen, the great Puritan writer, wrote, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. We see uh, someone tempting the wolf, tempting that sin nature with Samson. Samson flirted with sin. Uh, Delilah was after him in Judges, in the book of Judges, chapter 16, trying to give, get him to tell her the secret source, the source of his strength, of his power. And he would, little by little, get closer to the truth of where the source of his power lies. You cannot tempt sin. A lot of people try to be like Samson and get right up close to the edge, right? I, I want to prove how strong I am, how I've got victory over this problem, how I've got victory over sin. I'm just, I'm just going to get up real close and pull back just to show that I have the strength to do it. Don't tempt it. Don't tempt the wolf. How did that work out for Samson? You can't toy with something dangerous. Don't try to prove how spiritually strong you are. Don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. But the carnal mind is enmity, it's hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It cannot be tamed. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. The sin nature cannot be tamed, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, the flesh is self-centered and hates God. It's concerned with its own satisfaction, not about pleasing you. Paul, Paul describes it in Romans 7 almost like it's its own entity within. He says, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul said, hey, look, just to paraphrase him, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. We all have a problem of sin. We're all in the mouth of the wolf. And we can't ignore it. We can't feed it. We shouldn't tempt it. And we cannot tame it. There's certain things that cannot be tamed. 
There's a, an old fable. It's not a perfect illustration, but the scorpion, which cannot swim, was wanting to get across the river, and so it pleads with a frog to, to let it ride on the back and go across this river, and the frog's like, no, you'll, you'll sting me. And uh, the scorpion says, well, what sense does that make? If I do that, we'll both drown. And the frog says, okay, well, that makes sense. And so the scorpion hops on the frog's back, and sure enough, midstream, the scorpion stings the frog's back. They're sinking under the water, and the frog's like, what did you do? And the scorpion says, I couldn't help it. It's my nature. Now, there's problems with that illustration about free will and that type of thing, but the point of it is this. This nature no matter what it tells you, it will sting you. It's an enemy of God that cannot be tamed. So what's the solution? Don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. In boca lupo, crepe. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. Now, let me just clarify. That does not mean... Asceticism, it does not mean the neglecting of the body, as Paul writes. Uh, there are some that, that think that through self-discipline and deprivation of the body, food, and doing self-harm, that type of thing, that they can get the flesh under control. That Catholic priest that I mentioned at the, uh, before our presentation, uh, he took me, he's a monk as well, and he took me uh, to his uh, monastery there in Rome, and he was talking about how small his room was where he lived and how it wasn't heated in the wintertime and how it wasn't uh, air-conditioned in the summertime and his diet and, and all of these things that he was doing to become spiritual. Now, the problem is he needed to be born again. But there are people, Christians, that think that they can do things to punish the flesh, the old nature, to get it under control. Now, the problem with that priest was he didn't go into that cell by himself. He carried something with him, as we do all. So what does it mean to kill the wolf? Look in Romans chapter 6. So someone receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they are born again, that dead spirit is now resurrected, if you will, and now that person can have communion with God. But we learn from Paul, this is a theme throughout Paul's letters, the mortification of the flesh, this old nature. You are saved, you're born again, you have a new spirit, born of God, but you are still housed in a mortal body of flesh, sinful flesh. And so those two natures are in battle one with another. And so we are dealing with how to get victory over that. And we've seen so far what not to do. We can't ignore it. We can't feed it. We can't tempt it. We can't tame it. But what does it mean to kill 
The wolf, look in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man, that's just another way. That's who we were before uh, we were saved. That's our old nature. That's the old nature. That, uh, that's the wolf within us. Is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a constant theme of the Apostle Paul. He writes to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He uses that expression over and over again about being in Christ. Now, we're going to get to what it means uh, in closing about killing the wolf. But what does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean? Back in the days of uh, westward expansion in America, uh, when pioneers would be heading out west, one of the most dangerous things that they could come across was a prairie fire. Because this wall of fire, the wind was blowing that fire towards them. There was no creek that they could get into. They couldn't outrun it. Where could they, how could they escape it? Well, it's, it's a dangerous solution, but one way that they could do that, the wind is blowing this wall of fire towards them. They would strike flint behind them. And that wind would carry this new fire and burn up all the fuel behind them. When that wall of fire reached, it had nothing else to burn. It had already been burned up. That that uh, pioneer stepped into the area that had already, he was in the area that had already been burned. The fire of God's wrath is coming to every man. But praise God, Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God. And when you get saved, you are put in someone. There's no more fuel for the fire, amen. You are in Jesus Christ. The wrath of God cannot touch you because you are in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that have to do with killing the wolf? You're in Christ, okay? Now, Paul writes, if you look at uh, Colossians with me, um, Colossians chapter 3. Let me just read one verse as you're turning. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Through the Spirit, that's key, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Let's tie all this up together. How do we get victory over sin? How are you saved? By faith, by appropriating that which Jesus Christ has done for you on your behalf, right? Through faith. How do you get victory over the sin nature? Well, there's two things that need to be distinguished here. There's a difference between your standing and your state or your position and where you are in practice. Your, your standing or your position is in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where you are. If you're saved tonight, that's where you are. You are spiritually seated in Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. 
Now, don't ask me to explain it any more than that. I can't. But from a practical standpoint, from your state, right, Paul says one thing. I am crucified with Christ. That's his standing. But then he says also, I die daily. Kill the wolf. We read, I read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 13, about through the Spirit. Now look, at, look in, uh, we'll close with this. Look in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Or verse 3, let's start there. For Colossians 3, 3. For ye are dead. There's your standing. There's your position. Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Praise God. You're at the right hand of the Father. But look at where we are in practice in verse 5. Because of that, because of where you are in Christ Jesus, on a daily basis, mortify, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. Every day, every day. We can praise God for who we are in Christ Jesus and gain victory over this wolf that we have until the rapture or death. We can gain victory by appropriating by faith all that Jesus Christ has done for me. It's not me getting mastery over the flesh. It's me trusting by faith that which Jesus Christ has already done on my behalf. And I say, Lord, Thank you, God, that you've delivered me, that I'm seated at the right hand at the Father in Christ Jesus. And I ask you today, I'm struggling with this sin. Give me victory over in Christ. Mortify it through the Holy Spirit for me today. Daily. I die daily. Give me victory today, Lord Jesus. Kill the wolf for me today, Lord Jesus. It's not a matter of you trying. It's truly, and I'm not trying to be uh, cliche in this. It's a matter of trusting what God has already done for you in Christ Jesus when he nailed it to the cross. And it's a matter of faith every day, appropriating what he has already done for you. Amen? In boca lupo, crepe. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf.